This is Entheogen. We talk about tools for generating the divine within. It's October 12th, 2015. We're talking about breathwork. So a while back, we uh, did a little bit of a founder focus on Stanislav Grof back in episode nine in uh, April Mm -hmm. of this year. And we talked a little bit about uh, holotropic breathwork, which is a specific sort of brand of breathwork that uh, Stan developed uh, after LSD was was, uh, sort of made illegal, I guess around 1970 or so. Yeah, it was, he kind of had to work, work with what he was legally allowed to work with, you know. And he was one of the, one of the first people to have access to LSD and to to actually study it and experiment with it when it was basically like taken out from from beneath him. And I think he was really positive about uh, its potential. And I can imagine someone at that age, at that point in their career, uh, feeling like a certain momentum with this new tool, and then all of a sudden having it having it, uh, you know, taken away. And, and how do you do that? You know, like how do you creatively continue your work? And I think uh, this is a really cool example of that. There's a, there's a fantastic story about uh, that I heard Groff once in an interview uh, tell, tell the story about how he got this package from Sandoz uh, Laboratories with, with LSD uh, before, you know, before anyone had ever used it. And they and had a, had a letter kind of explaining the the work they had been doing and that they had developed a substance and um, and that they were basically were sending samples to people like like him like psychiatrists and asking them to try to find a use for it and the letter mentioned one of the potential uses of the substance was uh, was for the psychiatrist to take it so that they could understand the state of a mentally insane person. <laughs> right, <laughs> that was that was just awesome. Right, and he he expressed um you know just kind of a frustration at the time um, with the current state of the art in uh, the field of uh, you know the psychology and how this uh, this package arrived at kind of just the right time and and you know he ended up I guess taking LSD for the first time um, accompanied by some kind of brainwave uh, sort of biofeedback type device um, and just having this amazing experience where he experienced an altered state of consciousness and um, I guess began to feel like uh, consciousness itself itself was a kind of uh, was not created by the brain but but I guess the brain was used to sort of tune in this uh, you know this this thing called consciousness and it just was an incredibly transformative experience for him and led him down the path of, of, uh, being, you know, of, of, uh, being an LSD psychotherapist initially, uh, making some progress there. And then of course, as you said, just, uh, you know, uh, I guess transitioning into holotropic breath work, needing some kind of tool and, and mechanism for, I guess, doing his, his practice of, uh, psychology. It reminded me of that uh, that quote too that we um, that we mentioned a few episodes back about uh, about LSD being to uh, to psychology and psychiatry what uh, the microscope was to biology, and you can imagine as Brad said the frustration he felt on his part, uh, you know, using the substance and coming up with a kind of a, a method and a protocol to work with it, and having such great success, especially uh, like in treating alcoholism and, and things like that, and then to just have it uh, all kind of uh, collapse underneath him as uh, as the substances became illegal. As we joked in that uh, founder focus episode we did a while back, uh, we were sort of wondering, you know, was this holotropic breathwork 
um, a little bit of a, of a wink, wink kind of situation where uh, it's just kind of a, you know, it's like a phrase you use instead of uh, taking LSD, right? Like we're going to be doing the uh, quote holotropic breath work. I love that idea that you just, you know, you go, to, oh, I want to check out this breath work stuff. And then you, you show off and it's nothing like that whatsoever. Everyone's just, there's just like, everyone's just huffing LSD. exactly right so we so i did a little bit of um of uh of investigative journalism field Um, research as it were field research exactly uh my wife one morning uh said hey there's i I got this uh, newsletter and there's going to be this holotropic breathwork uh seminar uh you know it was a few weeks away and it was about a two and a half hour drive um and i thought you know, how could I pass up an opportunity to go and meet again, Stan Groff and, uh, and actually practice this with him directly. Um, so I, I signed up and it, it was this weekend class and it was, it was really interesting. I mean, I, I had no idea really what to expect. Except that it was LSD and not actual breath work. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I guess, I mean, I guess maybe I should sort of paint, paint a picture a little bit. I mean, it's, well, tell me what you guys know about it. I mean, you, you guys researched it. You, you know, you haven't been there. I researched, I didn't find much. What, what do you know yeah, about this it? Is, I was so curious to hear what your experience was because this is, um, you know, when you hear, when you hear about it in the first place, you think like, all right, well, you know, massive bummer that that happened to him at that point in his career and that, uh, and that these things became illegal. And then what a creative solution for, you know, for, for solving the problem. Mm. And also, I don't know if you've done yoga or, or anything else where you use uh, your breath. You know how powerful uh, just 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 breathing and, and oxygen can be in uh, in altering your state of mind. But they're never really like in anything I had read about it. I never really got a clear feel for how to do it or what the techniques were. So I was really curious when you were going like, what like how the hell does this work? Yeah, I remembered reading. You know the root the. The Latin roots of the word holotropic mean moving toward wholeness. I thought that was kind of a cool little piece of information that I found. But it, what was more interesting to me was how little there was, you know, besides a, a little bit of explanation on the etymology of the term. There's virtually nothing online, like people's accounts, personal accounts, or there's there's not a lot out there. So I was very curious. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I didn't sign a non-disclosure agreement. Of course, there is some, you know... Um, uh, you know, respect for, for people's personal experience, things like that. But I, I think I can share, you know, a little bit about just what it actually is like. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, the term holotropic, holotropic, um, it, it, when I, mean, I read this term means not breathing and drinking LSD. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, well, actually, I mean, it, it's really more of a sort of synonym for entheogen or entheogenic, um, you know, or psychedelic, really. Um, I mean, I, in other words, it's it's a much more sort of broad um, uh, a term. You know, it's not a specific type of breathing. Like when I read when I read that term, you know, t- a decade ago or something, uh, I always thought, okay, this is so holotropic means a certain kind of breathing that you know you have to learn how to do. Uh, and I had an expectation that, you know, this would be a certain type of breath. Like you would, you would learn it, like you learn various forms of pranayama or something like that. Right. Um, instead, you know, it's actually just basically, it, it means it, it's, it's a breathwork practice that is designed to be, to lead you to a holotropic state, I guess. So this, this course was a weekend, uh, course. Um, you arrive on Friday and you have kind of a session on Friday night uh, Saturday is the day when you, when you breathe, uh, and, and you have a partner and your partner breathes. And so we'll, we'll sort of get into that. And then Sunday is like an integration session in the morning. 
Joe, is it like ayahuasca where, you know, for two days before you go, you're not allowed to do any breathing on your own? You have to hold exactly. it <laughs> That's right. For a period of time. <laughs> right. For an, the entire week leading up to it. Um, and uh, so you, you go in on, on Friday. I went in without really understanding what to expect. Um, and I, I had no idea even how long the sort of uh, like session, you know, of breathing would, would last. And somebody asked the question, um, how, how long is the, how long were you breathing? You know, how long, and I'm thinking it's like, you know, 45 minutes or something like that. And the answer was like two and a half or three hours. Whoa. Um, so it's kind of shocked already at, at that. So it's a, it's a good long experience. You know, it's, it's a full, um, you know, you have time for, for, for some deep journeying. Um, are you laying down? Like how are you sitting? Is it, is it comfortable? You know, that's a long time to, to be having your attention on anything really. Yeah, and, and we learned a little bit about what to expect uh, that first Friday night. And uh, basically, it was introduced by this guy named Tav Sparks, who's a uh, kind of an assistant, like a like a leader of um, uh, Stan Groff's uh, school of you know holotropic breathwork. And uh, he he introduced Stan, and then Stan basically talked for a good forty five minutes to an hour, um, giving us his history, telling you know sharing some stories. Um, and spoke entirely without notes, and he was the most well-spoken person I've, I think I've ever heard. Um, he was just incredible, and the stamina on the guy is amazing. He's eighty something. He's eighty-four years old or something. He's been retired supposedly for like fifteen years, um, and he's still out here doing doing this work. So he describes it, and and you know, begin. I began to understand uh, sort of what it would entail. Um, and it was a lot like you know maybe a, a therapy session, but it was a big group therapy session. So you have you have an entire room full of people. It's probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe 75 people, uh, they're participating, um, in the experience than another, you know, few, maybe a dozen couple, dozen and a half, um, facilitators. Um, and so we would, we would look around the room, we'd find a partner and this would be your partner for the breathwork experience. So you would choose whether to begin, you know, at the beginning session, you'd be breathing or in the afternoon session, you'd be breathing. Um, the, the alternate session, you'd be sitting for your partner. So I chose to sit first, and okay. my partner laid down. Um, you have a kind of a yoga mat and some blankets and you know bolsters if you want to kind of like put under your knees or whatever, cover yourself with a blanket, that kind of thing. It's designed basically to make you as comfortable as possible and as relaxed as possible. Gotcha. And part of that is that you have a sitter whose job it is basically to make sure you're okay. So, you know, you're there, you're, you're aware of the person, you're sitting with the person, you're, you're making sure that if they need something, you know, you're, you're there and ready to hand them water or tissue or something like that. Um, walk them to the bathroom, that kind of thing. One, one interesting thing is that there's very loud, uh, <laughs> extremely loud, um, like mostly electronic music that's playing during this, during this whole, whole session. So Rod, so Rod was there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it definitely reminded me of, of some of the parties, um, at Burning Man. Um, and I guess the, the music serves a purpose. It's, it's to, um, it, it's basically to a couple of things. Initially it has, you know, it's really loud, very driving rhythms, lots of like kind of syncopated beats and things like that to kind of like get you out of your head and get your body just sort of moving and breathing deeply. Um, but it also being so loud helps you have your own private experience in this, you know, large group setting, oh, basically, yeah. you know, you don't have to worry about the person who's kind of screaming, uh, <laughs> a couple people over, um, you know, it kind of just all blends in and you just realize that somebody is taking care of that and it's not nothing for you to worry about. And you kind of just go back into the music. Um, mm. you know, I thought that there'd be a lot more specific, um, 
instruction, like a specific type of breathing or rhythm or, um, you know, depth or uh, shallowness, shallowness or, um, uh, you know, speed or something like that. And, and very specific instructions. In fact, Stan's instructions at the beginning were basically just relax and then breathe more deeply and faster than normal. And that was basically it. And, and even that was kind of a more of a vague instruction. It wasn't like you have to try to breathe deeply and keep doing it or, um, you know, try to be the, breathe as quickly as possible. It was kind of just a, a gentle guidance. It wasn't so much like a specific uh, prescription. And, but the idea is just to essentially, it, it's a lot like, I don't know, it's a lot like hyperventilating, but doing it in a really relaxed way. That's, that's the big difference. <laughs> with normal hyperventilating <laughs> well, slight difference yeah there, there's there's a physiological aspect that i don't quite understand yet but basically if you're if you're relaxed so i should I explain how you get relaxed so you lay on your back in a state of relaxation basically in savasana pose shavasana mm-hmm. um dead man's pose or cor- corpse pose um, and you stan got, started off by guiding us through what you what you might call like a yoga nidra do you guys know about that kind of meditation? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's like you start at a certain area of the body, and you exactly, kind of, yeah, yeah, and you you move you move from kind of like limb to limb, and yeah, uh, it's usually I mean I've, the only ones I've done like that are guided, where the the teacher is telling you like point by point, like you know, focus on this, focus on that, and it's like very quickly through different parts of the body. And, uh, it, yeah, it's very, very cool. I've done those for, you know, you do that for five or 10 minutes. It's completely, uh, liberating. You <laughs> go off into deep space. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it, it was a good, probably 10 or 15 minute, um, you know, guided, um, you know, session of relaxation. It, it started at the toes and the feet and, and the, the legs and you kind of just move up through there. And it's, you know, it, it's just basically very gently t- reminding you to focus your attention on certain areas and relax those areas. Maybe you tense them and then relax them, that kind of thing. Um, and it's a very purposeful, like, way of relaxing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, finally get to, like, you, you, I don't know, you get to the top of the head or something, and now you're kind of, you know, your whole face is relaxed. You're, you know, it muscles you didn't even realize you, you could uh, actively um, you know, control like that might be contracted or tense in some way, end up relaxing. And so basically you, you start this experience with a, a very deep relaxation. Um, and I think, and that's why I make a distinction between like sort of hyperventilating as you might typically think of it. And, and this form of, um, you know, of, of hyperventilation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. I also really like the way you phrased um, pur- purpose. Did you say purposeful relaxing? I think was yeah. the words used that, you know, that, that it's deliberate, you know, there's a very, it, like trying to maybe quiet the mind or what the, whatever your intention is for doing the breathing and kind of calming yourself or relaxing. I could see the, that deliberate nature of it being really powerful. Right. That's, a, that's an, that's an interesting point too, because one of the, I, the, the person that I've been doing yoga with for years, uh, I've had this conversation with her about, uh, about psychedelics and she, uh, has never had any experience with them and always tells me, uh, well, you know, you can get to the same states of mind uh, just just by breathing. And she doesn't know any, anything really about Groff, but it's just her kind of yoga background that's led her to that. And uh, I guess my, my comment was always like, well, I, I guess, you know, I've gotten to certain states, but I can't compare them to the ones I've been in um, due, due to entheogens. 
but um, I think there is, you know, when you when you say Brad, there's a deliberate uh, aspect to it. I think the the one argument, I guess, that wins me, and you don't have to, no one has to win this conversation. Both both ways can just be two different avenues to, you know, to uh, to the same uh, to the same therapy. But um, I guess the one argument that wins me over is that she says all the time that, but there's something for it, uh, something to be said for it being voluntary. You know, it's you you making the effort, not not being, um, you know, t- taken there by a by a substance, not taken along for a ride by a substance. Yeah. And uh, and actually, what what I was reading about uh, some some holotropic breath work, uh, there was, I so I guess Rick Doblin was one of uh, one of the first uh, graduates of Stan Groff's program, and um, he there was a quote that he, here he says the the voluntary nature of it is courageous in ways different from taking a psychedelic drug since it requires more of a letting go than being overwhelmed. Mm. However, the same voluntary nature means that it's sometimes difficult to overcome your own defenses and delusions. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. In the integration uh, session after the, uh, the the breathing experience the next morning, um, somebody else made that, that point, and I was um, probably unduly surprised uh, how many people uh, drew some kind of comparison to traditional psychedelics, um, but, uh, but quite a few people you know, brought that topic up. And how did Stan person, handle that? Uh, he, you know, he was per- perfectly willing to address it, um, but this, is in a, this was actually in a smaller kind of group session um, with uh-huh. some facilitators. Um, and you know, and they, they addressed it as well. But um, the comment wa- from the uh, participant was uh, just along those lines. Basically, it's rather than taking a substance that it, you're allowing, like you said, to kind of overwhelm you, or it, basically you're giving your uh, power, you know, to the substance. You're 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 saying, if I take this, this will give me an experience, you know. And you're kind of like leaving it up to the substance. Um, the fact that there's no substance means it's all it's all you. Um, it's all your, you know, your environment, it's all your own doing, and you can much more easily sort of breathe more or more deeply or faster or whatever, um, and relax more and kind of go more into it. Or you can, you cannot, I mean, you can just kind of go back to breathing normally and and you come out of it. Um, Hmm. so it does give you a lot more control. Yeah. And that's another point to the idea of it being voluntary. And I, I heard a yoga teacher recently Make you know, and there's so many classes that you go to, and you have so many teachers. There's certain things that stick with me more than others. And on the topic of breathing, I, I liked just one of the things that she said in the passing of her kind of the rhythm of how she was uh, she was guiding us through the class. And she'd mentioned that you know when you begin to pay attention to the breath, you begin to recognize that this is something that otherwise is happening autonomically. You know, it's going to happen whether you think about it or not. But the more you give it your attention and your awareness, the more you have an appreciation for something that your body just does automatically, you all of a sudden, it kind of opens this door to everything else that's happening in your body that's happening automatically and just how, um, I don't know, just to have a sense of reverence for that. And and when you begin to breathe on purpose, you you just sort of connect to yourself in, in a really strong way. There was a there was a yoga class that I was in uh, that was just it was just one of those special nights where the class was just amazing, and uh, uh, our teacher tends to uh, in in the final relaxation she's kind of uh, still guiding your breathing a little bit and she'll just either sometimes read something or uh, just have kind of something she wants to say 
And there's one night where she's we're doing like very deep breathing, and I was off in a completely uh, Hoffmanic state. And uh, and she said she just quietly drops in. Uh, each breath is the cycle of life. Your life began with a breath, and it will end with a breath. <laughs> that would trip me out really hard. Nice. <laughs> I had a deep appreciation for breathing on that day. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was. It was quite an experience, and uh, you know, I, I approached it as I approach many things as a pretty big skeptic. Um, you know, really skeptical of whether breathing, whatever the method of breathing, whatever framework you know was built around it, um, could possibly provide something like a you know true psychedelic experience um and i'm still not really sure you know i'm not really decided um but people around me were having some pretty crazy experiences um mm. you know, had those people gone before is it something that you can kind of like yoga is, is it a practice did you get that sense or so oh, far yeah. as you know some of these people it was their first time and they're kind of going to the moon well, so it, there were quite a few first timers there. There were a number of people that that had returned, um, and I think you do sort of, um, you know, you get it more. Um, you maybe there's less apprehension when you go back, you know, knowing a little bit more of what to expect and being able to kind of, uh, you know, do it more intentionally, um, knowing the parameters and that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I mean, have you guys seen that in your uh, in your yoga classes though? Where I mean, I've seen on a number of occasions where somebody in in the middle of a breathing session just has you know, breaks, breaks down crying or something like that. It's always astonished me because I've never been anywhere close to that. But, uh, but I've seen, I've definitely seen that a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Occasionally, but not, uh, you know, not all that often. Um, but yeah, I mean, breathing it's, it's the breath is, is powerful stuff. I mean, you can definitely get to some interesting places, um, you know, as evidenced by, by what was going on around me. Um, and it kind of a weird synchronicity, you know, after, um, I was listening to a, a podcast on the way up to, uh, to the, uh, breathwork, uh, weekend and about halfway home, I flipped on the same podcast, which was basically at the end and the next episode started. And it was an interview with this guy named Wim Hof. Um, he goes by the name Iceman. Um, he's this really interesting guy and we'll link to this in the show notes. Um, and he has a technique of, of breathing, um, that allows him to basically, uh, break all kinds of world records, uh, for, uh, cold exposure specifically, um, but also for being able to control his immune system response. Yeah. I've heard about this where certain type of breathing techniques, um, for, for yogis or for meditators, they can control their body temperature. They can manually raise or lower it and uh, there's a video i saw about this a young guy i think he's called buddha boy but it was like a young like very young i think early teenager maybe 12 or 13 who was doing these like month-long meditations um or like weeks long at a time and he had this whole following but there they i think discovery channel did their best to try to document it in from the perspective of sort of the western person and or skeptic and part of the the footage he's he's sweating you know he, they've been filming him for hours and hours and hours with these um black uh not black light but like uh you can see yeah like the, a thermal imaging camera or something exactly yeah. exactly and so when they see the the beat of sweat they're like okay he's he's doing that's not an accident he's not no one else is hot he's doing this you know sort of either to keep himself occupied or this is part of his meditation practice but that's that's very much you know something that can be done 
uh, which is <laughs> totally mind blowing. It's it's incredible to it think is, about. It's amazing, and and they there was a, a TV show I guess that did some kind of a test of of. Uh, Wim Hof's uh, method, and uh, they they had you know two people, Wim and uh, another guy, uh, sitting in a tank full of ice, and uh, you know the other guy uh, got out after twenty minutes, and they tested his uh, b- surface body temperature uh, at like four degrees Celsius, um, and then the they tested at the same time. Wim's was something like he his stayed this his his uh, temperature stayed the same for the entirety the, you know the time that he was in the ice bath. So he was able to somehow, you know, maintain his core temperature through this. Hmm. That's incredible. And it seems like, you know, it's, it's taking uh, breath work to a new place, right? It's like in the, in the Groff model, it's using breath work to gain access to some part of your, your brain that, uh, you know, that, that's activated uh, perhaps in the psychedelic experience. And maybe that's, uh, you know, a way of interacting with your subconscious in some way it seems like very very psychologically related but this seems like hacking your brain to uh then then you then use your brain to manipulate other systems of your body right right exactly and And that's that's just the biggest trip ever yeah and and so i'm listening to this podcast and and my my ears are sort of pricking up and 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 i'm thinking this sounds exactly like what I just came from like this guy's talking about breath work and, and he goes on to explain, you know, this sort of the method and he's describing this as basically, again, start with a deep relaxation and you, and then begin to deep, very briefly, be, breathe. Wow. <laughs> briefly. That's, that's, that's what one. happens when you breathe. Too <laughs> exactly. <laughs> breathe very deeply. And he, he says, you know, breathe, breathe in fully, right. Fully and deeply and then breathe out. And maybe don't breathe out all the way, but breathe in deeply again. And he does these cycles of breath, um, and he does I don't know thirty or forty of those. And he'll measure um, the the concentration of oxygen in the blood, and he gets people up to like a hundred percent saturation. And, and and he thinks you know beyond as well, um, because what will happen is when they they then after so many you know forty or fifty of these breaths, um, they will stop breathing. And, and as he puts it, like, you, that's it. You don't, you don't need any more. Um, and people will realize that, you know, they, they have so much oxygen that they can now stop breathing for a bit. Um, and their, 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 I guess, oxygen concentration stays at 100 for a little while and it begins to, to drop. Um, and he gets them down really, really low, lower than you would normally get before you pass out. Um, but there's certain physiological aspects to the fact that he is starting you off in this really relaxed state, I guess maybe the fact that your blood vessels are not constricted, maybe like allows them to absorb more oxygen than normal. Um, there's something to do with pH, I guess you're like alkaline. Um, and so that has some effect on the fact that you don't pass out during this experience. Um, really fascinating stuff. I mean, I haven't heard much about it besides these two guys. What's that? Wim Hof. Yeah. Yeah, Wim, okay. Wim Hof. Yeah, that was, that's I, I like the fact that his last name is Hoff. Hoff. Yeah, I love that too. That was that was not lost on me. Right. <laughs> I uh, it also it kind of begs the question that um, you know if you can you know his argument is that you can use uh, this method to to boost your immune system to have a little bit more control over you know phys- physical aspects of your body. It makes you wonder how much of uh, sickness is actually somatic to begin with. You know, I mean, if you can if you can hack your brain to like cure yourself of certain things, well, how many things are you uh, p- 
possibly suffering from that are not, uh, you know, that, 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 that possibly originate in your brain to begin with. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's kind of a good segue into considering this from an Eastern and Western perspective, holotropic breathwork or just breathwork generally, you know, there've been non-Western techniques going back generation, like thousands and thousands of years, like yoga and even like Tai Chi and, you know, the, these things have been around in, in the Eastern world for a very long time. And now there's sort of this modern uh, discovery of breathwork in the Western world and holotropic <laughs> breathwork is just one of like dozens that you, you kind of see a little bit about whether they're shamanic, conscious connected, radiance breathwork. Um, even it must be frustrating, huh? For the Eastern guys, it must be like watching, uh, I don't know, like a bunch of like black guys sitting around, like watching like Elvis come out, <laughs> you know, or like Eminem or something and just be like, what? <laughs> we invented this already. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> we invented that like 2,000 years ago, man. People have been breathing for thousands of years and only now <laughs> the, the West catches on. Well, it, I mean, the West is catching on, but at the same time, the West, the, like, we're, we're very much not catching on. There's very much, like, a lot of people saying very loudly, this isn't science. You know, without the evidence, without that kind of uh, process, and, you know, it's not, in fact, it's not too hard to come across people who kind of uh, lump it in the pseudoscience category and never think about it again. Sure. Um, you know, like, breathwork has no verified beneficial effect on health. <laughs> and then there, I may read more into these sentences than there are, but they're amusing to me. Like, although there is some evidence, it may help relaxation. <laughs> some people, yeah, however, like, find its, its like, effects distressing. When, when are we getting like too, too scientific about things, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so there is, like a lot of people don't want to, give it credit to be able to do anything for us physically beyond relaxation. And then there's this whole other, you know, kind of universe of, of exploration of truly do, how, how does your breathing affect your immune system? How does it affect your body temperature? And, and, uh, yeah. Well, you know, Stan's whole approach is that, um, the psyche can heal itself. Basically, his whole thing is just to provide a context in which, uh, you have a very safe environment and you are sort of guided through this this process of like awakening this inner inner healer, this inner inner um, uh, you know system, these, these inner systems that uh, can can lead you to basically just revisiting past trauma um, in a, in a supportive context where you can you know your your own psyche can do some work on itself, some really deep work. And so, I mean, it's really fi flies in the face of, you know, Western medicine where we're all too eager to like, just, you know, just like, this is what's happening. Give me something to fix it. You know, just let me just right. take something and it'll just fix it. And, and really maybe it's not uh, something that can be fixed by taking a pill. Maybe it needs to be worked on. Maybe it's something that you have to work on throughout your life. You know, maybe it's habits. Maybe it's um, it's just a yeah. much more holistic way of looking at things. Exactly the word that was coming yeah. to mind. You know, holistic and, approach and being preventative more than treating symptoms. Sure, yeah. and and just, and I don't know, and and combining the two things and being being uh, reasonably minded. I mean, I think it's great to. I mean, I obviously adhere to the the scientific model in every in in every possible way but i think if you can you can try these things on your own and if you feel like they're benefiting you then uh, you don't need science to tell you that you know if you feel better then go ahead 
Well, I had something of a revelation in listening to this Wim Hof interview, and uh, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this sounds exactly like what I was just doing. This is really weird. This w- interview would come on, and then uh, it, w- it was a, on the Tim Ferriss show, and Tim said, uh, "This, you know, is this something that you might compare to holotropic breathwork?" And I thought, this is this just blew my mind. I've never heard holotropic <laughs> breathwork mentioned on a podcast, you know, or. It, it, ever and and here I just came back from from the show and of all uh, uh, this uh, workshop and of all the shows to be listening to you know it happens to be one that mentions this uh, this system of, of breathing and he went further and and the real revelation for me was that the emotions are sort of f- f- come from uh, the hormones that are released by the glands in the brain basically and we think of these things as like external uh, forces. You know, we think of like our emotions as like something that happens in response to like something in in life, you know, but actually it's our own brains that are like, for whatever reason, you know, uh, it's like a choreography of, of glands that are secreting different hormones. And that's what's leading to like how we feel. (laughs) And and, and billions of neurons firing. Right. (laughs) Neurons firing. And so we, as they're, they're having this conversation, um, he gets into some specifics about how, and this is all probably very speculative, you know, pseudoscientific, but how when you do this deep breathing and, and you get uh, it's like somehow super saturated in your oxygen uh, content and, and super relaxed and whatever, um, you somehow begin to have control over these processes. Like you begin to be able to control um, what, what one scientist says, he's able to control the release of DMT from the pineal gland. And that's, that's where, handy. yeah, <laughs> that's where a light bulb went off because I thought, man, that's something that I have been wanting to do for about 20 years now, you know, um, and, and researching, and there's really not a lot of material out there as far as, you know, how to, how to do this, these techniques. Um, but this is maybe one Avenue. And he talks about how the pineal gland is kind of a, a, a director of the other glands. Um, and of course it's the only, I think it's the only unpaired gland in the brain. It's like a single you know, structure. It's right in the center of the brain. It's like the third eye, right? And the seat of the soul, like that, that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the rest of the glands are, are paired. Like, you know, you have two eyes, two ears, and like two, like, uh, you know, pituitary glands and like two of whatever else is up there. Um, but the pineal gland is, is kind of like a, a director level position. And some of this breathing may, you know, control that. And he says some of the people come out of these experiences with like a really elated state of like happiness. Um, maybe from a DMT release. Well, sort. this is kind of the, in one way of thinking about it, the opposite end of the spectrum, um, where instead of over getting so much oxygen and saturating your body with oxygen, isn't there kind of like a, a way to reduce oxygen going to the brain? Like, you guys, I don't know if you knew anybody growing up or if you ever actually did this yourself, like to try to make yourself pass out to like, Get get a buzz. Have you ever heard of this? Oh yeah, it's so really you, so you, dangerous. You grew, you grew up in the suburbs, Brad. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> it's a horribly, horribly dangerous thing, and it's something that can be really, you know, uh, tragic. But like this idea of pat, like get like passing out and like getting high, or I guess it's to- it's related to um, autoerotic asphyxiation. Um, uh, where you're like reducing the amount of oxygen that's getting to the brain for some sort of, um, I don't know, for t- to get high. You know, it's it's not to become whole or it's not to work on yourself. It's may- maybe the opposite. You know, to, to to sort of kill some brain cells. 
but uh, you know, it's. I wonder how that fits in. I wonder. It's like, it's like the it's like the the meth version of holotropic breathwork. Is that what it is? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's it, we people talk about how uh, DMT is involved in like the um, you know the, the dreams. Like maybe maybe it gives a visual aspect to dreaming. Um, you can. I, I, I think this has been uh, called into question, but I think maybe I've heard that. Uh, you can you can measure the DMT concentration in the blood, for example, like during rapid eye movement. It, it seems like it may be involved in that uh, process, uh, which is the time in sleep during which you're having you know dreams. And, and DMT is a very visual drug, so maybe it's giving sort of visions to these to these uh, like you know semi conscious uh, experiences. And the other place where it's involved is at death. Um, mm, so, right. you know, if you're like depriving yourself of oxygen to the point where your brain thinks that it's about to like die, um, that certainly oh, yeah. might trigger a release of DMT. Hmm. Don't try that who, at home kids. Right. Who knew, who knew you were, uh, you know, experimenting with such big things there in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> we knew, I mean, <laughs> nothing. So for our listeners who are less interested in the, uh, in, in taking a substance to have a entheogenic experience, um, I think holotropic breathwork is a very accessible, uh, method to have a, a sort of transformative experience, something maybe even bordering on entheogenic or psychedelic, uh, and for many people truly psychedelic, um, for other people, just a, a, a very good way to spend an afternoon, um, and I would highly recommend checking out holotropic breathwork. They do these workshops all over the country, all over the world, really. Um, and you can certainly find out more online and we'll put links in our show notes. Check us out at entheogenshow.com and sign up for our newsletter to find out when we post a new episode. Also search Entheogen Show on Facebook. Thanks again for listening to Entheogen. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. <laughs>